be here. Uh, as as um, Steve said, my name's Tom, and I'm married to Josie, who's the beautiful lady in the second row. Three gorgeous little girls, Daisy, Lily, and Poppy, who I trust are having great fun with the other little ones of this great church. And uh, it's just so good to be here. If you've got a Bible, let's turn to the wonderful Gospel of Matthew and chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Some famous verses for us today, particularly if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll know these probably. Uh, <clears throat> from verse 16. Verse 16 of chapter 28. Now, the 11 disciples, so notice that. How many disciples do we normally think of in the team? Wow. Say again, how many? Wow. So, just note, notice already, I love the little details of the Bible, there's a weakness in the team. There's a kind of fragility. Just that little, that numeric note. Just mention, just, just remember that. There's 11 of them. On a serious note, one of their dear team members had just committed suicide. Isn't that amazing, isn't it? This guy Judas. just taking his own life. Which I cannot believe would have been Jesus' heart for him. It's really happened. Really happened. I mean, that's, these guys have lived three, three years together. There's 12, 12 guys, and, and one of them had just, just taken his own life because of a mistake he made. So there's this weakness I want us to look at today. The 11 disciples, heavy of heart, I reckon, to some degree, went to Galilee. <laughs> Notice that. Where had they been before Galilee? Shout it out. Jerusalem. Now, when we think of Jerusalem, if you don't know much of the Bible, Jerusalem, just think of like, bah, 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 super impressive. Sort of think, think of London, you know? Sort of a shiny, impressive, big place. Yeah? They've been in Jerusalem. And Jesus had said, when he appeared to them first, after he came back, he said, now, now go to uh, Galilee. You beleaguered bunch. Go back to that place you call home. But Galilee wasn't shiny, it wasn't impressive, it wasn't strategic, it was just Galilee. Just a place in the north, just a humble but significant to God place. Just notice that. To the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Probably the mountain he had appeared to them at previous times. Somewhere they knew. Familiar? Unimpressive, but it was home. This weak group of men and women. Sorry, not women at this point. Men. And when, when they saw him, look at this. What does it say? They worshipped him. And I love the next three words. But some doubted. What? What? Anyone else find that? Amazing. No, just me. Okay, so this is Jesus. He's hung on a cross. He's been publicly executed. Hundreds of people have seen him not just slowly die in agony, then with a big spear, they had put a spear through him. The Bible tells us medically that blood and water separately came out, which we now know means that death had occurred. 
This man was then hauled off. Joseph of Arimathea, a very specific person, was then asked to take the body, and he, he, he asked to take the body, I think it was, and he, he buried it. So this guy's dead, is what I'm saying. And now he comes back from the dead and appears to them. 1 Corinthians tells us that probably this incident is not just these disciples, it's probably about 500 people. So it's a, it's a pretty amazing moment. Anyone here ever seen anything like that? No hands go up. That's the correct answer. None of us have. They see it with their eyes. <laughs> Appropriately, they get the guitars out, metaphorically, and they bow down because this man has done the only thing that no one's ever done, ever, or, or ever will again. He has come back from the dead, never to die again. Even with people like Lazarus, who did come back, the Bible tells us he obviously then ultimately died. Jesus is alive forevermore. And they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now the first, I just want to say two things today. Very, I'm a simple man. That this Christianity thing is this weird mix of faith, confidence, and tons of doubt. It is this weird mix, till the day you die, if you are honest, of both moments and emotions correlating with very real faith. Hallelujah! Faith that we're going to punch into Helsinki and we're going to actually see men and women genuinely become Christians. Not just Christians, but disciples of Jesus who will then make more disciples of Jesus and probably themselves be sent all over the world. Hallelujah! We're believing for a big vision! We're not just here moving chairs around because it's something to do. You know, we're not a club. You're not a part of a club. You're part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's totally different. It's totally different. We have that atmosphere. We have that feeling. But the strange time, what I love about these final verses in this amazing gospel that probably was the most used gospel, historians tell us, was at the same time there is this beautiful picture of 11 men coming back to an unimpressive place and despite seeing Jesus Christ raised in glory the great moment of the ages that have been waiting one day this will finally happen the whole of the Bible's thickness is because it was building 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 to this great moment when a man would actually defeat sin and death and prove that there was a way that we could actually be rescued this great moment has happened and some doubted I just find that gloriously encouraging. Is it just me? Any of you here, if you're really honest, you love Jesus. You love him dearly. You can sense it in the room. But honestly, you do at times doubt. You do. And do you know, this is the first thing I just want to say. It's so simple as this. When you feel that way, you have not failed okay you have not failed the bible tells us that, that there really is an enemy a real enemy we often as if you're british here sometimes we feel a bit embarrassed talking about him because he seems a bit beyond belief but satan is real he's really real and although we believe ultimately he can't actually wrench you out of the grip of your father he can he can spit lies at you again and again and one of the biggest lies is this is that is that you feel that sense of failure 
when everyone else is punching the air or you know you feel like you should be full of faith for something and honestly you just don't feel it. You just feel filled with doubt. I remember very early on in my, my Christian walk, my story was I was an angry atheist, age 19, came to City Church. Barry and Maureen were wonderfully in that church there amongst others and uh, came to that church and uh, I was kind of ambushed by the Holy Spirit, to be honest with you. It's the only way I can put it. I just had this very similar deal to here. I came in and over those few months, I realized bizarrely... I think I might actually believe this Christianity thing. I'm sure many of you have got a similar story. But about a year or two in, I remember having this season in my life when I think theologians call it the, the dark night of the soul, which makes it sound almost sort of mysterious and, oh, sounds deep. It was horrible. It was hellish. For month upon month upon month, it was like my faith had just been ripped out of me. And it was like whenever I tried to pray or in any way connect with God, there was just like, it felt like just darkness. And it was a very horrible period of my life and it went on for a long time. But even if you're not or haven't experienced that kind of slightly more pronounced times, the reality of the Christian life, this tells us, is that there is this reality to doubts, that this side of Jesus returning there really will be doubts. Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying that partly because as I was praying for you, I felt the Lord just wanted to, first and foremost, just to encourage you, to really encourage each and every one of you that when you doubt, you are not, you're not letting him down. It's fascinating, actually. I, I think probably because they first doubted, some of them, they probably then, when they actually came to give their lives in terms of telling the world about Jesus, I reckon their, their testimony was that little bit more, bit more credible. Because they could say to person after person, do you know what, I actually doubt it. I know you don't think that Jesus is the Messiah, I know you don't think this, but do you know what, I'll be honest with you, I doubt it. And can I be honest with you, Hearn Bay needs Christians who are secure enough to be able to say, you know, the reason that most people don't believe in Jesus it's not just because of random reasons, but because there's, there's what seems to them very real doubts in their hearts. Now think about that. If you've never doubted, how are you ever going to have compassion on those who are filled with doubts? Yeah? How are we ever going to genuinely love people who hurt us and don't instantly say, yes, I want to become a Christian? How are we going to love them consistently if we've never identified with them in their doubts? The church, can I be as bold as to say, it kind of needs doubters. Isn't that strange? I believe with all my heart, as I've seen in my life and I've seen in my family's life, that when those times come and you're, you're with your mates who don't know Jesus, rather than feeling like we've got to kind of, I don't know how to put it, but not let him down by ever doubting, I think by letting people into the rough and tumble and the reality of our broken lives at times. The emotions of when our marriages aren't all shiny and perfect, and we've just had an argument, actually, and we haven't been terribly Christian. Or we've blown it with our kids. And we wish we hadn't, and I'm not condoning it, but it's happened. And actually, rather than pretending it hasn't happened, we can be honest and say, Do you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of it. When I talk to my mates in the pub, 
And they're expecting this pastor man. And I can be honest with them about the fact that at times I struggle with the things that they struggle with. I struggle in my marriage. I love Josie to bits, but I don't always feel like I love her to bits, if you understand what I mean. There are times when we have conflicts. Now, I know this is an obvious point, but what I'm trying to say is I think what I'm learning slowly in my life is that the bigness of the vision that we live for it doesn't mean that we can't be very, very weak and fragile and human. And I almost want to encourage you that rather than stuffing things down when you think, oh, what about that? Can I, can I bring that up? What about this area of the Christian life? I don't really understand this. Actually, a church community where we can, amidst worship as it were, we can be those who genuinely are honest about our doubts. I think it's a beautifully healthy place. I don't think Jesus, look at these words. He says, they saw him and they worshipped him, but some doubted. Next line, verse 18. And Jesus came. He doesn't say, and Jesus took offense. Jesus was frustrated with this bunch of church planters. No, Jesus came. Do you think Jesus is big enough to cope with your doubts? Do you think he's surprised? <laughs> When we doubt. No. Do you think he's like, what? I thought that Hermbei was going to, you know, I thought it was going to be transformed by people who never doubted. No, no. Jesus has chosen weak, fragile men and women to display his glory. And that sounds all terribly poetic. And we're like, yes, I'm a jar of clay. What it means is at times you doubt. It does. And if you don't doubt, maybe, it, you know, is it that actually even... When I, can I be really blunt? When I look at the horrors of this world, you know, TV is a blessing and, oh my word, TV is overwhelming, right? The news, the constant shootings of an apparently innocent MP with two small kids. What is that about? When I hear about hundreds of children drowning between the top of Africa and the, and the Mediterranean and we just get used to it because they're trying to get to a better life. When we hear about mass shootings, when I, I look at this world and I tell you, I do doubt at times. I do doubt. My, and if you don't doubt, what's wrong with you? Seriously, our hearts. I, it, I think, God, if, you've, if you could ultimately stop it now, please, why don't you? I do have that. And I tell you what, if I can't look my mates in the pub and say, I get why you feel angry at this God. If he is all-powerful and he doesn't stop things, I don't have an easy answer. I just don't. I think that's so powerful. So I want to first of all encourage you. Some of you are here by the skin of your, well, you know, you're just here. <laughs> and honestly, you love this thing, but also you think, I'm not like others. I can't remember my verses of the Bible. I can't remember where my Bible is. You know? Can I just encourage you? Listen, Jesus is so tender. He's so tender with you. Satan isn't. Don't believe his lie. Jesus willingly, listen, he willingly gave his life for you. Hallelujah. Willingly. He adores you more than even your partner, if you've got one, or your mum or your dad, or the person who loves you the most. He adores you. And I use that word specifically. He absolutely loves you. He's not cross with you when you feel fragile and you blow it with your mates. He's not. And he wants to first of all say, in the context of amazing worship of a resurrected man, you know, if people doubted then, 
You will doubt. However, he doesn't just go, oh, well, never mind. He does have, he does have a plan. Look at the next line. Jesus came and he said to them, all authority. Say all authority. I love this. All, why is he suddenly talking about authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Can I have a hallelujah? That's a big deal, folks. That's a really big deal. That's like massive. What he is saying in plain English is this. I am the boss. I am the Lord of all creation. When I came and I put on human flesh and became a baby, and even when I went to the cross, I chose to, as it were, lay down the expression of my authority. In his full divinity, Jesus always had full authority. But as he became a man, there was a sense in which, although he had tremendous authority to heal sicknesses and walk on water and raise the dead, there was a sense in which he deliberately allowed himself for a temporary period in his humanity to not express all of his authority. So let me get, ask you this simple question. If you, do you think Jesus' life on earth was pretty amazing? Right? Yes. Anyone else? Yes? It was mind-blowing. It was amazing. He did phenomenal things. Someone, he needed some money, so he goes, go to that, and open a fish mouth, and there's a, there's, a, there's a quid. You know? Jesus displayed incredible levels of authority on earth. But what this tells us is that something has changed that is relevant to you in Herne Bay 2,000 years later. He had incredible authority, but now he says, the thing you need to live with, meditate on, O oh doubters, is this. I have now all authority. So even though I don't totally understand the difference, what I know is he's saying, if you're impressed with that bit on my earth, catch a load of this now. He's saying, if you thought I had authority to move in power, I am now fully unleashed. There is limitless authority that I have both in heaven over every angelic being that you can't even see yet, and on this earth, which by the way is mine. That's what he's saying. This isn't a polite little, hello, I'm Jesus, English thing. He is, there's authority here. There's an authority, and I love this because if I'm honest, when I think about what faith often means for Tom Shaw, I think sometimes it's a bit polite. You know? Um, it's a little bit sort of, not apologetic, but it's, pri it's, it's private. Anyone here identify It's my private faith. In Britain, you are allowed to have a private faith, brother, but keep it private, okay? Don't let it ever infringe upon those outside there. And Jesus is like kicking over the tables here. He's like, that is not the deal. <laughs> it is not the deal. Even if in Finland people are a bit more introverted, so are here. It doesn't matter. He's, or he is an authority over everywhere. That's what he's saying. And he's been given to him by the Father. Now let that sink in. First thing he's doing here is notice, to those who have doubts, he is getting their eyes off themselves. The first thing he does, people are doubting him, although he's raised to glory. The first thing he does, he effectively says, well, fine, you're doubting I have now been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Everything's changed. And the first thing you need to do is get your eyes off yourself, is what he's saying. Isn't that amazing? He's saying, I want your eyes of your hearts to look at me, the one you're called to represent. Okay? You're meant to be, we're meant to be like him. Like him. 
And Jesus has all authority. He had tremendous authority on earth, but now he has all authority, and now we are somehow in Christ, connected with Christ, representing Christ. So, for example, if you're in authority, that means you're in control. Right? If you actually have authority over a school as a head teacher or as a boss, one of the things that means is you have control. Now, that means Jesus has control over everything. Gloriously, he is the Lord of control. So let me let, spin it around. Anyone here ever suffer from anxiety and worry? Oh, every hand goes up. I think what we can say is, very practically and emotionally, when I, Tom Shaw, am gripped with worry, often over things that are not actually that big a deal, genuinely, practically, I need to, by the power of the Spirit, say, Lord, but if you are in authority of every little bird that flies around, every hair on my head, of every day that's existing on planet Earth, that means that ultimately I don't actually need to worry. Now I know there's a massive jump between the theology and the reality, but you know what? Jesus wants us to make the jump. He wants you to be a church that increasingly lives free, increasingly free from the things that can grip your soul. How? By knowing he is in authority. He is in control. I feel this is a massive thing for me at the moment. I, I honestly didn't realize how much of a control freak I really was until fairly recently. And I just was praying about it and I just suddenly realized all these apparently unrelated things that I've been struggling with, the root of every single one was this deep down kind of attempt to try and control things. And you know, that will kill my faith. It will kill my faith. I don't mean as in I will lose my salvation. What I'm saying is my, that part of my inner soul that trusts Jesus, no matter what's going on, it will decay away unless I am absolutely increasingly committed to the truth that Jesus, he's, he's in authority, which means he's in control. So what we see is he's saying to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So the first thing we do, number one, doubt is real. It was in this context of doubt that Jesus then began to deal with their doubts by first of all shifting the eyes of their hearts onto him. So let me just ask you this simple but ageless question. Is Jesus big in your hearts today? That's a great question because we can ask our kids that, can't we? That's kind of one of our real... Whenever we think about Sundays at church, one of the, we, you know, this went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong. All these things go wrong. But this is the question we try and ask ourselves as leaders. Did people leave with Jesus being a bit bigger in their hearts? You know what I mean by that? His kingdom being a bit more big and large and in charge. So let me ask you that question. Genuinely, you've come this far. Is Jesus genuinely, is he real to us? Because if he's in authority, what that practically means is he's yearning today, even as we preach the word, he's yearning to enlarge, like a balloon in your soul, your genuine belief and trust that he's real. 
the way that we will see Herne Bay increasingly one for Jesus is through, is through not freaking out when there's doubts, but saying, Jesus, my faith, my, I don't have faith myself. I don't have faith, can I be even honest, necessarily in the leaders or in any... Pra- my ultimate faith is that Jesus is in authority. Now that sounds obvious, and some of you are like, oh, okay, that, that's massive. Is our faith... I mean, I think I was chatting to Steve about some of the, the things you, you're praying for. I know that you... Uh, you, you is there... Great, okay, I just wanted to check that was public before I said that. So the, the, the prospect of potentially a different venue and the, I believe the Herne Bay roller skate rink school. Herne Bay High, yeah, where we go roller skating with the kids, we love it. I believe that's an option and that's something that you think you want to go for. Now, faith, when you feel weak, right, can lead to frustration. You can think, oh, is this going to happen? But actually, when you say, if the Lord is wanting us to grow, if his promises are to go and make disciples, including Herne Bay, if that's what he's passionate about and he's an authority about, then Lord Jesus, you're either going to open up that place or somewhere even better. Amen? That's his purpose. Now, this is a specific example, but the Lord is a God of specific answers to prayer. And what I'm trying to say is, is that, to be, to be a person or a community that walks in faith, it starts by, by being real about those weaknesses, those doubts. It doesn't mean, when you think, how are we going to do that? How we, have we got any movers and shakers who can talk to the head and somehow make it all happen? Probably not. Have we got some strategic plan where we can somehow, I don't know, make it happen? Probably not. Because the church is normally filled with weak, normal people. So what I'm saying is we either get crushed by those weaknesses and those doubts or we say, but God, you're in authority. You, this is your school. Actually, these are your leaders. These are your, Lord, if this is your will, in a moment you can open this. In a moment you can open this. And faith is a kind of internal authority. You see, this is why faith and authority are such companions. Real faith is not just a kind of private deal where I have my little private thing with Jesus. Faith expresses itself, I think, in a kind of authority. It's not an arrogance. It's not a a cockiness. But there's an internal authority when God has spoken over something that actually no other human can ultimately change or knock over. When you, when you find those moments of faith, when, is it where Jesus afresh commissions you almost, and you get that sense of he's large and in charge, then it, it expresses itself in that kind of authority. And I believe for you as a, as, as a church community, I felt this is really key for you, that there's a sense of unapologeticness, a sense of commissioning from God, a, se- a fresh sense of authority and confidence Some of you may have been Christians for a short period, some for longer. That for you, faith increasingly is going to look bold. Faith is going to look authoritative. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like, not just for you, for the church of this land actually, I feel like we've been kind of a bit sleepy. I think there's been a sleepiness. I got to meet a man recently, a very uh, successful guy from a western country, and in his early 20s, God radically called him to move to an incredibly close, dangerous country. 
And in 10 years, this guy who couldn't even speak the language, God told him to marry a very specific woman from that country. They couldn't even speak the same language. This guy was earning millions and millions of pounds in his early 20s. He gave it all up. He married this woman he didn't even really know because God told him to. And he moved to a tiny flat in this middle of this crazy place, very difficult place. And over the last 10 years, this guy who moved in his early 20s has now seen literally thousands and thousands and thousands of Muslims come to know Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, if you speak to this guy, he is this combination of what I'm looking at today. He is so normal, so kind of weak, so fragile. And yet he just said, look, if the Lord, Lord said this, he's in authority. I said to him, how do you even, how do you, I mean, if, you're, if you come out as a Christian in this country, they'll behead you. So how is it that you see all these people come to, to know Jesus? And he said, well, you don't, he said, you don't mention Jesus. Of course you don't, because then they'll go, oh, this is a white guy from a Western country, and he's coming to tell us about Jesus. He says, what you do is you ask them about their God. So tell me about Allah. Is he blessing you? Is he giving you the things that you're wanting? And obviously, he doesn't, because he's not real. And so what this guy does, he says, you basically say, well, why don't you pray a bit more? Pray a bit harder. Go on, he, maybe he hasn't heard you. It's a bit like Elijah, you know? With the, with the fire. Go on, pray a bit harder. So he's got, all right, okay. And they'll pray a bit harder. And he just believes in a God, this guy we're talking about. He doesn't mention the name Jesus. And eventually what happens is they come hungry to speak to him about his God. And he, because he can never mention Jesus, the only way they ever come to faith is through an overt, supernatural intervention of God, the Holy Spirit. Every single time. Often it's dreams, and they will come to him in a bit of a panic, saying, this person, I had this dream, and, and I think it might be this guy, Jesus. Now, you may know him, you may, and this has happened thousands and thousands of times. And what I felt God just say to me is, Tom, it's always by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we can be confident today. When he says, all authority has been given to me, he's saying, I can do what I want. And I want to use weak, fragile men and women. Yes, to get high schools if need be. That's not a problem to him. Yes, to see more people come and bow the knee to Jesus. Yes, more leaders raised up, more small groups developed. To see more ministries for the people of Herne Bay and beyond. Even a church plant one day to come out of you. Do we believe this is possible in God? I'll say it again. Do we believe it's possible in God? The Bible is filled with men and women who can't do it. And God says, but I'm going to do this thing anyway. And we doubt and we worry. And actually through that place, we can have great power talking to our non-Christians about, about the reality of our doubts. But at the same time, he wants to draw us into a place of ever-increasing faith. And that faith, I'm deliberately using the word here and looking at a passage which is about authority. Because when we think about faith, we can think of our own private thing. I have a faith. It's a pro-. But actually, they're so connected And I do believe that more and more in this country, true disciples will be revealed as those who are willing to speak up and be honest and just to say the gospel, even though the gospel will get us into trouble. I do believe, I believe the days are coming more and more and more where we will be doubt, there will be those fears and those things. It will be real. But at the same time, again and again, God the Holy Spirit will fill us with the same boldness of Christ because Jesus is an authority and this life isn't actually about this life. It's about the next one where we will be willing in council meetings and at the school gates and with our our mates in the retirement homes or wherever God has placed us, we will be willing to, to proclaim the whole gospel even when it means that actually 
You know, we aren't received, but there's an internal authority that is born of the Spirit that Jesus is wanting them to have. And they did have. I've noticed something shift in me, and with this I'll be quiet. Over the last little while, there is something in me. I, you'd probably be aware of this, not to be gruesome, but um, the media and stuff are calling 2016 the year of death. Because if you look at the number of celebrities who have died from Terry Wogan and many, many others. It has been extraordinary. Statistically, the first half of the year, how many have died. And that is, at one level, of course, sobering and serious. But I tell you, at the next level, there's a part of me that says, thank you, Jesus, that when I, when I talk to my friends now about God, or we go to the pub, there's a, there's a seriousness that I haven't, I haven't made in them that's there now. And uh, I was in the pub a few weeks ago, and I, I've, by the grace of God, God's opened these doors up with lots of my, my, my mates, my neighbor friends, blokes. And we go to the pub every month. It's not very complicated. And I always make sure I buy the first round, so I'm not locked into a night of lots of drinking. I'll buy the first round. So it's a very expensive drink for me every time I go, but I want to be a Christian who actually buys the first round. And I, I never go there with a the big agenda to sort of connect it to Jesus. I go, Lord, you are in authority. And although I feel like a lamb here amongst these burly men, Lord, you, you, you are the Lord, amen? In my heart, there's something of this growing, this authority. My faith is about authority. And I'm here representing you. And although I don't know what to say and I feel intimidated, Lord, you, you have placed me here. And, and, and I've found I've got to this point over the last few years, really, with all of them, where they now know that I believe in God. We've had some good, encouraging conversations, but not, none of them, none of them have got to the point of saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I haven't baptized any of them, and I am so cross about that. I, I feel like, God, this is what you promised. You promised this. This is part of your plan, right? Baptize them. Shouldn't it be normal for Christians to be baptizing our neighbors? Surely that should be normal. That's why we're here, right? It should, well, I think we believe this live. It's like for once a decade or for occasional, you know, extroverted people. I think for all of us, I get terrified of the thought of talking about Jesus. Anyway, I've got to this point where I'm in the pub and I'm, I just feel like that God said to me, Tom, there's never going to be a perfect moment. You've just got to steam in. He didn't say it quite in that phrase, but that's my, the Tom translation. In humility, but this is the key idea with authority. If Jesus is an authority, we don't have to be ashamed. He was ashamed at the cross. There was a shame on him, and he's not at the cross anymore, amen? We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be fearful of their approval. Jesus is totally approved now by the Father, and I'm in him. And, and I, so in little ways, I've seen progress in my heart. We were, uh, I was there a few weeks ago, and because of the year of death conversation, <laughs> nice, um, they were like, well, you know, we can't know what's going to happen, can we? And I was just about to go, yeah, you're right, we can't know. And I thought, wait a minute, what are I talking about? I do know. You know, you just get swept in, don't you? You're like, yeah, no idea. Uh, beer? You know, like, no, 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 I do know. Wait a minute, I do know, I do know. Stop. And was able to say, look, do you know, um, obviously as a Christian, I kind of, you know, feel like the, the basis of Christianity is based on a man who kept on saying, I'm going to die, but come back. And he did. So, I kind of feel like that's key in our discussion. And then one of them said, well, yeah, okay, but we, we certainly know that in 100 years we're not going to be sitting down the pub having a beer, right? And I said, well, again, 
the gospel actually says that God's going to make everything new. Make a new earth and make a new heaven. He's going to heal it radically. And we know there's going to be wine in heaven. So I can't promise there's going to be a pub in 100 years here, but it's possible. Now, I was obviously on slightly thin ice here, but you understand what I'm saying. And he was like, so, okay. And you've got to understand, for Tom Shaw to be saying that in a pub, maybe you're all brilliant at it. I was like, what is happening? And the key thing, there was this little bit of growing authority in me. I thought, this was a philosophy lecturer guy who's super clever. And on the way home, we walked back to our house. And uh, a mate of mine who's a locksmith, and we were talking, and he was like, oh, and uh, he knows a few Christians. He was like, yeah, it's great for you guys. I know, you know, it helps you in your life. And I, I felt a bit cross. I said, that isn't just, that's not what this is about. It doesn't just help you in your life. In a way, it creates more pain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It kind of does. But the point, I said to him, this is the deal. If there's a 1% chance this man really did come back from the dead, I want my daughters to know about that. It's kind of more important about than which primary school they go to, right? And he was like, oh, I suppose so. And all I'm trying to say is, you might think I do that normally. I am a weak, timid, private man who I can pray for people, but actually saying, can I just... Can I just tell you about this guy? I find really hard. But I believe that the Lord wants to put an authority in you guys. Can you stand up if you're able to? <clears throat> Could you, if you're happy to do this, it's not a weird ritual, but it's just something that sometimes helps us. If you're happy just to hold out your hands, just as a kind of 